Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing I have a a scripture reading that I'd like to start with. It's Titus 3. You know, Titus doesn't get a lot of press. So we're going to give Titus his due. Titus 3, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to read this. And then we'll talk a little bit about it. Everybody comfortable? Everybody okay? Do we need the windows down? We okay? You know, we were going to meet outside, but, you know, the worship team meets out there at like 8 o'clock, and it was a little breezy and a little chilly, and it was a lot to ask for them to come and do that. So thank you for meeting inside today. Um, We'll see what October brings. We may meet outside. Who knows? We love it when we meet outside, but I love it in here too. All right. So Titus 3. Um, Yes, Titus 3, verses 4 through 8. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace... We might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. Okay, Titus, I'm stressing them right now. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Titus 3. This has been a life verse for me. Honestly, at least for the last 25 years. And I, I, there's so much in this that I'm not going to unpack everything. I am going to draw a couple of like nuggets out of this. And then we'll just spend some time, yeah, just unpacking some of this. The kindness of God. Sometimes we've um, made the mistake of like equating kindness with niceness. Like, niceness is kind of like, um, I'll do what you want me to do just because I don't want to irritate you. Or, But, you know, how cool is it when kindness would actually speak the truth? When kindness would actually help usher you into deeper things? When kindness would actually say, I see you. You may not see yourself right now accurately, clearly, but I see you. And I'm calling you up and out. That's kindness. Kindness is also um, very honoring. Kindness is something that I think has not been valued enough. I experienced something this week. I'll talk to you a little bit more. Some of you are looking at my backpack like, Chris, are you going somewhere right after church? Actually, I just came back. I was on the Colorado Trail 
this week. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But one of the things that I experienced this week were acts of kindness from strangers. You know me. You know I like to kind of put myself out there a little bit. Sometimes in the wilderness, well, a lot of times in the wilderness, but this time it was more in the arena of, like, the city. I had actually backpacked from Silverton to the town of Durango, and instead of having Tiffany drive nearly 14 hours to come help me get my car back and then drive back home, I decided I was going to hitchhike. <laughs> Why not? I mean, those of you who know what a dirtbag is, that's not a derogatory term, by the way. Like if, you're, like, if you're old school Colorado, you know, like, there's just a way. It's just kind of like, I got, you know, I got everything I need. I can live anywhere on the planet out of this bag right here. So if I don't get a ride, no problem. I only need a patch about this big, and I'm good to sleep well through the night. But fortunately, even though it was 90 degrees in Durango, crying out loud, it's 90 degrees in September in Durango. I'm standing out on the edge of town, literally, with my thumb out. Trying not to look menacing. (laughs) Trying to look nice. Smiles go a long way. And, um, you know, a lot of cars passed me by. Got some waves. Got a lot of this. <laughs> Until one guy decided that um, he wanted to pick me up. So he pulled over and uh, I ran up to his car. And you know, you don't just jump right in, right? I mean, this goes both ways here. <laughs> and so I looked, out, I looked at him in this window and I looked at his dog in the back. And I just kind of waited for him to roll the window down, actually. And he rolled his window down. I was like, hey, how's it going? You going up to Silverton? And he's like, yeah. I was like, what's your dog's name? And he told me a name. And I kind of reached my hand in through the window. And the dog licked my hand. And I was like, okay, we're good. And uh, got in the car. And we had this amazing conversation. All the way to Silverton where I was able to pick up my truck and uh, save Tiffany the hassle of driving out to meet me. So kindness goes a long way. And... um, And one of the things that I was struck by in this passage right here is that the kindness of God actually was personified and embodied in the person of Jesus. And so um, some of you know this about me. You know that this last year, ever since the beginning of the year, I have been on this like personal pursuit to discover what I'm terming, and I learned this from someone else, so it's not an original thought, but a Christ-like God. Like, we love Jesus, and I grew up in an environment where it was almost like we worshiped two gods. Like Janus, you know, the two-faced god of the Greeks. One god was the god of wrath, and one god was the god of grace and love. And uh, how, how many of you know that when you see Jesus, you see the Father? And Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That doesn't mean that God isn't firm, and it doesn't mean that God has ways of disciplining and making things right. But you have to know that that's born out of a place of kindness in his heart for us. There's zero shame, and it's not fear in the 
tense that we know. Fear, it's more like an awe, a respect, a reverence to the magnitude of who God is, who chooses in his grand, you know, like, you know, he's immense, right? So he chooses to enter into our space as a man and represent the one attribute, well, two, it says here, right? When the kindness and love of God. So anyway, that being said, I'm just struck by this. And so here's, um, here's Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.1. I beg you. So I'm going to turn it on to you. Like from me, I'm begging you. Do not accept this miraculous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Don't ignore it. He's at work. He's doing something in your life, and it's born out of kindness, and it's a gift. And just as we received the gift of life from Jesus at salvation, we are encouraged not to ignore it as we continue to live our lives of faith. So here's what I want to do. As we read this, it says that he saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. I mean, we could park it there and unpack that for weeks. It's amazing. Just the message of grace and the message of like this relational invitation. In It's not transactional. It's not if I, then God. It's because God, now I. So there's no religious garbage in this, right? It's just like so relational. I love it. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where I want to just kind of land for a second. I want to make some delineation between rebirth and renewal. Rebirth and renewal. So I'm going to read it again. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you think about being saved, of course, we're thinking like eternity. We're thinking going to heaven, life after death, we're saved. But you have to know that there is a salvation for us daily that we work out. That there is a way of rescue that is in, like we're intended to not ignore for today. Right? The kindness is for today. And so, um, rebirth and renewal. You know, rebirth is being born of the Spirit. It's what Jesus told Nicodemus. And it's, um, it's where the Spirit of Christ enters into you, unites with your spirit that has been dead to God, and it is made alive. You are alive in Christ. This is your um, rebirth. This is the birth of, well, it's what we would call being born again, right? So this is your birth your spiritual birth, it's set, it's established once and for all at your salvation. Yay. Renewal is the process of being made new into the likeness of Christ, what we would call being sanctified. Now, do you realize that word doesn't get used anywhere but here? And in the Bible, but it's a word of healing. It's a word that means two parts being joined together. It's like, um, well, what did that song say? Sorry, I'm going to jump onto this because this kind of like, I got to get my glasses on. Um, Reality may shout, but truth will lead me out. 
Okay, so the reality is, the facts of your life is, you may like have repetitive sin issues. You may really struggle with stuff. You may have fear. You may have anxiety. You may have a lot of shame. You may um, get like waylaid by all sorts of stuff. The truth is that you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So how is it then that there's this disparity between what is true and what is real, like or the facts and the truth? Well, it's because there's a process that needs to happen where the healing journey that we have with Jesus of being renewed, and we're not going to ignore it, right? I beg you, don't ignore it. It's a process of what is happening in the reality of your life starts to align more and more and more closely to the truth of who you really are. So this is a journey. It's not a... It's not a self-improvement program. It's a self-replacement, right? So the old is gone. The new has come. But how many of you know that the echoes of the old still ring really loud in our souls? And so this journey of renewal is by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within our lives. And it is something that we work out daily. And so there it is. So the big question I have... How is your journey of renewal going? You're on one. You're going to be on it forever. It's a slow, patient work of God, too. Um, the backpack. Let's see. So here's the thing about the backpack. This is the pack I use. Um, it is full of all my stuff, minus a little bit of food because I ate it. And it's everything I need. And when I was a young man, this type of backpack would have weighed three times this because that was a badge of honor. It was almost like we would weigh each other's bags, you know, at the trailhead, like, oh, yeah. So stupid. <laughs> now we weigh each other's backpacks and we're like, whoa, yours is so light. How'd you do that? That's awesome. <laughs> Tell me more. And so we go on this um, like transformation of like, um, well, it's humility, but it's not because we're choosing to be humble. It's because our bodies are getting old and we're just like, I don't want to carry all that garbage. It limits how far I can go and it, it really risks my health and wellness. So if you recall a story I shared with you last year, I'll, I'll recount it a little bit, um, kind of give you the condensed version. But last year is when I started the Colorado Trail, which is a 585-mile trek from Denver to Durango. I started it in the spring. And I remember the first morning that I had on the Colorado Trail after waking up and packing up, and I'm walking and I'm having this conversation with God. Can I say that? It's okay, right? I mean, it's like the Lord is near. He speaks. His sheep hear his voice. He's encouraging us to pray. That's actually talking back. And so we can have a conversational relationship with God, and it doesn't have to be weird. It just can be normal. It's like, yeah, it's subjective. 
yet subject to a community kind of coming around you and be like, that sounds amazing, or what are you thinking? Like that kind of friendship, conversation and community around what you believe you're hearing from the Lord. But this is what I was experiencing of the Lord that first morning. He met me, and so, um, so I'm walking on this trail. It's outside of Denver. It's an old burn scar. And I don't know if you've ever hiked through a burn scar, but that's the worst. And it was really like reminding me of places in my life. I'm going to get a little personal here, but I think we can all relate. There are places in our life that are very reminiscent of burn scars. We've been through it. And, um, and so in that space, I was actually feeling kind of tender with the Lord, and I was grieving some loss. And, and I feel like the Lord, because one thing you need to understand about me is, if you don't know me, I'm pretty visual, like inside, I like have pretty clear pictures of things. It's just the way that the Lord communicates with me. And I know he communicates differently to different people, but this is something that I've grown accustomed to, and it really works for me. It's the way he speaks to me. And, um, and every time I have met with the Lord, it's been in this particular place in my mind, and I can point to it on a map, and it's in what's known as the Uncompagre Wilderness Area. And it's this confluence of two little streams that flow together, and there's a little plateaued forest right there, and I have met with the Lord there for about six years in my quiet times. And he has met me there, and it's been amazing. So I'm walking on the trail last year, and I'm having this time with the Lord, and we're there. In my mind, in my heart, we're there. And he begins to invite me, make a long story short, out of there. And he says, I want to take you to this ridge over here. In my mind, I'm over there. He's like, what's to the south of here? And I know this to be true. Some of you know it too. To the south of the Uncompagre is the Wamanooch. Say that fast three times. And so I was like, wow, Lord, this means that the place that I've met with you for the last six years, you're asking me to transition out of this space into a new space with you. Okay. Um, I was actually a little reluctant because it's been so deep. In fact, if you understand the language of the U Indians, Uncompagre is the term for like healing waters. I've been in that space with the Lord for a lot of years. It's been rich, powerful, beautiful healing. When I get home from that part of the trek, I look up Wamanooch, and it says, meaning unknown. Ah, a little wordplay here, God. You're inviting me into the unknown. And so, um, basically it was like, yes, and in order for you to go into this new space with me, we're going to have to do a shakedown of the things you're carrying. Now, metaphorically, we're talking about a backpack. We're talking about the weight of the stuff that you carry, the gear that you have. Just know that I'm not really a minimalist. I'm what you would call like an essentialist. 
Like the stuff in here is essential, and it's like dual use. I can use it for a few different things. But honestly, um, it's not like a pride thing that I would strip down to like, yeah, I'm carrying like a five-pound base weight. No, it's not like that. That's a different kind of pride. This right here, to me, represents you have equipped me with everything that I need for the journey ahead, and I am confident that wherever I go, I'll be okay, essentially. Um, And so if you track with me on this, that was the beginning of about a one-year journey with Jesus into this renewal space of Jesus saying, there are things that you personally are carrying that will not serve you well moving forward into the unknown with me. Okay. I actually had to decide if I was going to ignore this or not. And I would just say that... um, there are two things that came, primary things that came out of this for me personally. And the first one is distrust in God. And the second one is self-contempt. Now, some of you are looking at me like, self-contempt, Chris, we know you. You're a pretty confident guy. Okay, so that can run real subtle, right? So distrust and self-contempt. Distrust. It's kind of like this. Yes, I trust you, God, but help my distrust. I believe, but help my unbelief. I, you know, whatever. It's just like, wow, I didn't realize this was in here, Jesus. And so um, that sent me on a journey of discovery. And where's the birthplace of my distrust? And why am I not kind to myself some days? And so, if you recall, um, last week at the Aspen Grove video, I talked a little bit about story. Taking stock in your story, like your story matters. And so, it's really important because sometimes I feel very young when I think about the inception of my distrust in God. I feel very young. Or I've often been very harsh to myself in particular, those young places of my own heart. And so last week's um, Aspen Grove video came out of Psalm 27, and I'm just going to read this part because this, this is a real example of things that I can relate to, and I'm imagining that some of you can relate to this as well. That's why I'm bringing this to us. I want this to be Christocentric. This is all about what Jesus is doing as he's inviting us into a journey of renewal. This is uh, David saying, Do not turn your back on me, speaking to God. Do not reject your servant in anger. Do not, oh, you have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Wait, who's talking here? It's like he's saying both things at the same time. He's like, God, I know that even if my mother and father abandon me, you will hold me close, but do not reject me. Hold me close. I trust you, but help my distrust. Get it? So here I am. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling that tension. I trust you to be present with me, to hold me close, but I don't want you to turn your back on me or reject me or um, abandon me. Really, it was more about abandonment. 
Like, don't send me into the unknown and then just leave me hanging. Although I am the poster boy of all the ways that God has been my provision, that God has always been faithful, that God has always shown up. And I know that. I can tell you a hundred stories of ways that God has done that. But don't abandon me, God, if you take me to the unknown. See what I'm saying? There's the tension. I don't believe that it's a coincidence that David is connecting his current state of trust in the goodness of the Lord to his story related to his family of origin. Even if my father and mother abandoned me. There's a connection there. It matters. I mean, you remember this story, right? Think about it. When Samuel came throughout the land of Bethlehem to assess all of the young men in the house of Jesse, where was David? All the brothers are lining up, looking handsome as ever, tall and strapping. I'll be a great king. Where's David? Samuel, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Are these all the sons you have? Well, there is still the youngest, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Listen to Samuel. I want you to listen to the kindness in Samuel here. Send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. There's honor in that. Can you feel the dismissiveness towards David and his family of origin? I love how this, you know, this plays out because we even see it in 1 Samuel 17 about his brothers. Uh, when David's older brother heard that David was talking to the men about Goliath, he got angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. So can you feel the contempt in the older brother? Family of origin, story. It tells us about something. It tells us about something of David's own personal struggle with trusting God fully. Here's the thing. Until you experience the renewal of your hearts that comes from the kindness of God through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will always respond and react from the place of our brokenness. I will. I even have it in writing. Until you experience the renewal of your hearts that come from the kindness of God through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your lives, you will always respond and react from a place of your brokenness. So back to the question. How's your journey of renewal going? It's an invitation into wholeness. It's an invitation to meeting Jesus in the place of your story that has actually been very difficult. You have to know this. Even if you had like the premier family and you were to tell me that to my face, in kindness I would say, I don't actually believe you got out of this thing without suffering tremendously under the effects of of sin and brokenness in this world. Every single one of us, we got our stuff. 
So back to that question, how's your journey of renewal going? Listen to 1 Peter 5.10. In his kindness, God calls you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ, so that after, listen to this, so after you have suffered, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. 1 Peter 5.10. This is a journey that I want to point out, and I actually learned this from the Allender Center. Um, And... It's kind of like related now to the second point of self-contempt. Because self-contempt is like, I mean, how is it that you think that David came to write the words in Psalm 22, I am a worm, I am not a man. Talk about self-contempt. Well, you know, it came from somewhere, but it was also prophetic. We know that. that. That was the chapter of the Psalms. That was the Psalm that Jesus cried out when he was hanging on the cross My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the first line of that psalm, Psalm 22. So all the listeners who were there, they understood this psalm. They had memorized it, and it brought them to this place. But this is also David saying, I am a worm and not a man, right? And so why did he fall into that self-contempt? Perhaps it was agreements that he made with the false beliefs about his identity that he was being told, like it was being conveyed to him for years by his family of origin. Maybe he agreed with those things. Maybe it was shame that he felt from his adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. These are real facts. Stuff really happened. Maybe it was to cover the pain of his deep loss. I mean, you you read his life story. Oh my gosh, loss of children. Sons rising up against him, a family culture of dysfunction and betrayal. So there's all these reasons, and in his brokenness, David is still referred to as a man after God's own heart. So there's hope in this. In our brokenness, you and I can still, and we are still, being called into this journey of renewal. So after... um, Let me just get my thoughts here a minute. Sometimes what happens is we allow self-contempt to block us from some things that are really painful. If you I'm gonna I'm gonna read this to you and I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about the U diagram that again I it was created by the Allender Center. I'm gonna describe it to you. First Peter 5:10. In his kindness, God calls you to share in his eternal glory. Think about glorious, like Jesus praying it in John 17. I pray that the glory, God, that you have given to me, you will give to them. So there's a glory in you as an image bearer. So I want you to share in the divine glory of Jesus by means of Christ. And after you have suffered a little while, he will restore and support and strengthen you and place you on a firm foundation and your life will represent or represent that glory. So introducing now the you diagram. It's interesting to me that there were two songs this morning. One of them said this. Wait. Hmm. I'm not going to lose this fight today. This valley isn't where I am meant to stay. 
Reality may shout, but truth will lead me out. So essentially what this is referring to is there is an invitation into renewal that will require your agreement with entering into the valley of the shadow of death. I want us all to remember something. That if we're talking about renewal and transformation, we can easily slip into this arena of um, psychology devoid of the power of the resurrection. We absolutely have something as believers in Jesus Christ that the rest of the world does not have, and that is the hope of the resurrection. And if we are called to take up this cross daily, if we are called to not ignore the journey of renewal, then we have to know that they're tied together because in order for us to experience this strengthening and this support and this restoration and being placed on a firm foundation where you can actually live out of your glory, we're talking about that's the resurrection life. But what is the prerequisite? You have to go in to the valley of the shadow of death. Beautiful. You have to go into this place. Most of us, like we know what happened on Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus. And we know what happened on Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. What happened on Saturday? A descent into hell. I've heard it said that there are two types of hell on the planet. One is the situation that you find yourself in, and the second one is the journey out. So we have these things where we're like, okay, I have this part of my story. I have this like brokenness, this loss. It's very, very painful. I have been trained since day one to avoid pain at all costs. Therefore, what I will do is I will paint a little dotted line between Friday and Sunday, and I will try to dance my way across the top of that. Doesn't work. You will always come back to Friday. So, um, you can't go into this you, this valley of descent. In the Old Testament, it was referred to as like the wilderness or the desert or the valley of the shadow of death. You can't go into this place of desolation if you have not got a handle on your self-contempt. Because if you go into that valley with a raging self-contempt, you will, you will likely um, re-traumatize yourself. This is why I started to bring it up last week, the importance of sharing story with each other. If you have a trusted friend who has experienced loss and who has come out of it and who understands the power of the resurrection and isn't trying to just convince you to pop up and dance on the dotted line, but is willing to sit with you in that valley, then that is a trusted friend who's going to act kindly to you by helping you find the truth of what's really going on, the truth of your story, not glossing it over, but naming it for what it is. What a precious friend. 
Not someone who's going to try to fix it or get you to pop out quicker than you need to. This would be an amazing like, experience for us as a community if we could continue to grow in this type of friendship where we are walking with each other. And if you don't have that friend, then I would go ahead and encourage you to pay for one. They're called counselors. And if they're Christian, they're even better. Because there are people who are absolutely skilled at, at helping to facilitate your journey into this space so that even though you might go into it with a great deal of trepidation and you might believe that you are going to be overwhelmed by a tsunami and you will never come out, the surprise is always there for you and it's called the resurrection of Jesus. And that's his kindness that we are encouraged not to ignore in our journey of renewal. The thing about it is, I told you I've been on this journey with the Lord for what now, a year and a half? There are some aspects of my story with God that are just now starting to see the glimmer of light. Can we be okay with that? This is a slow, patient work of God. And I am as tempted as anyone else to try to pop up and dance on that dotted line and get to Saturday as quick as I can, or Sunday, as quick as I can. But you have to know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so that we too might walk in newness of life. So that we too might walk in the newness of life. You're an image bearer. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that will restore and support and strengthen you and will place you on a firm foundation as you enter into that space. So with that, I'm just going to remind you of something. That when you find yourself in these low places with God, okay, this isn't supposed to be depressing. Like, this is actually like the good news of the gospel. Like, Jesus meets you there, and he restores you, and he brings you up out of that. I mean, that's the beauty of it. This is just like a, a broad stroke introduction to this process, but I want to encourage you with something. That um, if you find yourself in any way um, avoiding what Jesus is inviting you into in the way of really looking closely at your story, Acknowledging your brokenness, your loss, your pain, find a friend. I'll be your friend. This is what I get to do. But it's going to take you initiating it because you're the one who has to be ready for it. So, friends, with that, I'd love to just have you stand. I'm going to pray over you a blessing. Jesus, we have entered into a space of like, okay, it's getting real now. And that's good because truth is what sets us free. And I've been guilty of it, and I know the church across America is guilty of it. 
sometimes we sidestep the real truth about how difficult life can be sometimes. And we try to dance along that dotted line. So Jesus, the reality is that you want to meet us in the real place of our lives. You're not waiting for us to get our act together and meet us on the other side. You are so in this for us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lead us, Lord, now as the good shepherd to those places, the quiet waters, the green grass, and the valleys. Jesus, we want to um, be a community that is growing in our skill and ability and wisdom to be good listeners and to be good friends. Lord, I want to ask for you to give us the grace to be safe. I want to ask for you to give us the courage, Lord, to sit with friends in their struggles without feeling the need to pop them back up to the dotted line. And if we feel that urge so often, Lord, I just want to thank you that that can be a reminder that there's stuff in our own hearts that we're not dealing with. Jesus, thank you for the comforter. Thank you for the counselor. Thank you for our advocate and our helper. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I ask for you, Jesus, now to pour out the presence of the Holy Spirit into each of our lives in fresh measure today. Thank you for the renewal, the rebirth, the hope of being established on firm foundation with you. And I pray, Lord, for anyone in this room, in my talk, they may have dysregulated a bit. They find themselves either shutting down or growing anxious. I pray, Lord, that you would take your hands and place them under each of our hearts and hold our hearts and bring us back to a place of peace. Thank you for the hope that you give to us, that you restore our souls. And I pray all this in your name, Christ. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.